Now we're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah and uh, chapter 6. Now recently, in fact, uh, well all the time I guess in our preaching we're referring to the difficulties in the world and we're talking of the prophecies that are given of the turmoil of nation rising against nation and kingdom against kingdom and uh, well we hear uh, talks uh, and uh, last Tuesday night Brother Paul was in fine fettle and uh, he was pointing out the situation in the Middle East and the global conflict which is so eminent and uh, related prophecies and uh, talking about the city of Jerusalem and how that it was going to be triggered off there in the Middle East and uh, how that we, the world is in such a, sh- a shaky situation with the uh, all the uh, oil situation in the Middle East and everyone fighting over it and all that sort of thing. And uh, of course what people are trying to do, what all our politicians and uh, our statesmen, the United Nations and other bodies are trying to do. They're trying desperately to uh, gain peace upon the face of this earth. And uh, this is something which has been going on uh, for a long time, for generation after generation. In fact, before the last World War, there was a body known as the League of Nations. And that was set up for a similar reason as the United Nations and had uh, about as much success in bringing peace to the face of the earth. In fact, uh, it didn't bring it at all and it was uh, the Second World War was uh, uh, such a disaster that the League of Nations uh, uh, faded out and then they uh, tried again and uh, this time with the United Nations and it just isn't working. And even though people are trying to, uh, well, appear to be trying to, uh, to bring peace, it's very hard for us uh, to understand as ordinary people just what is going on. We see some of our great uh, uh, nations of the world who are uh, uh, talking a lot about peace and we see the Russians and the Americans getting together and the leaders of these uh, two most powerful nations on earth, they get together and they have a talk and they talk of their uh, strategic arms uh, limitation treaty and uh, they uh, are going to just limit how many uh, weapons that they've got. That's basically the idea of uh, what it is and how that they want uh, peace. And they talk of detente and uh, uh, mutual uh, understanding and peaceful coexistence and all this sort of thing. And yet, uh, while they're doing this, they full well know that they and their uh, and their potential enemies are, uh, are preparing madly for war. And uh, they talk so much these days, not uh, just of how many weapons that they need to defend themselves, but how many they need to destroy their enemy. But not only that, but they talk in terms of how much overkill that they've got. Sounds shocking, really. I mean, not only want to kill their enemy, but they want to jump on him and uh, really uh, beat any uh, sort of... uh, a semblance of uh, life out of him uh, altogether so that uh, they're just uh, total obliteration is what they're looking for as to, uh, you know, it doesn't seem to matter much whether you uh, um, are killed as a matter of how many times you get killed and uh, sort of the thing they're talking of. So we've got this terrible situation on the face of this earth and, uh, well, I guess in many respects it hasn't changed all that much from what it was. Uh, it's just that they've got more sophisticated, more deadly, more sinister weapons now than ever before. And, uh, you know, we know many of the facts of how that uh, there were more bombs that were dropped in Vietnam than the whole of the Second World War and all this sort of thing. And that was just a, a war in one particular country. And there's all this uh, talk there. And, of course, what people want is peace. What the ordinary person want, wants is peace. What the ordinary citizen of, uh, of countries that we see in our newspapers of uh, Kampuchea or Cambodia and uh, uh, Timor and uh, uh, in uh, Nigeria, Biafra and uh, uh, Bangladesh and these places which have had these uh, 
political turmoils and military conflicts and all this sort of thing and the ordinary person all they want is just enough uh, to be able to get on with their everyday life uh, enough to be able to go out and earn and plant their crops and to, uh, to gain a living and uh, this has been going on for centuries and of course it will continue to go on in spite of what the, uh, the politicians and the uh, philosophers might have to say and uh, we read here in the Bible in Jer- Jeremiah chapter 6 I think you might have found that and, uh, and it says here in verse 13 for from the least of them even unto the greatest of them everyone is given to covetousness and of course this is where uh, so much of the problem is covetousness is another name for greed and people just want more and more and of course uh, we as a nation of people are probably more guilty of this than most but this is a basic problem that the human race has that everyone, the most powerful and the least they're greedy and want more and it goes on to say and from the prophet even unto the priest everyone dealeth falsely and you can't even trust uh, religious people they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying peace peace when there is no peace and so of course what has happened and uh, these verses have had their uh, fulfilment in uh, bygone days uh, talking of Jerusalem and so on but uh, they also have their fulfilment in our time as well and uh, there are those who would try to soothe it over and talk of these uh, these limitation of arms there would be those uh, who would uh, try to tell us that it's going to be all right and we have religious leaders and political leaders who uh, are totally ignoring what the Bible says on the subject and are saying oh yes we're praying for peace and we're working towards peace and there's going to have been wars to end all wars and of course uh, it just hasn't happened that way and yet people so desperately want to have this peace between the nations that if anyone promises it to them well uh, millions of people are foolish enough to believe that it's going to happen and so it sort of soothes it out a little bit oh well when this war's over we'll fight and you can sacrifice your sons and, uh, and your daughters and your husbands and wives and whatever and they can go out and, uh, and they'll uh, fight this war and it'll be all worth it because there'll be no more war after that and of course uh, how many times have people been duped with that sort of talk and it just hasn't happened that way and they, but, uh, but people have been told there's going to be peace and there is no peace and it's just sort of smoothed it over but the Lord says until something drastic happens upon this earth and this is what we want to lead up to there is not going to be any peace between the nations of this world Jesus prophesied nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there'll be famines, pestilences and so often these famines and pestilences are caused by the very political and military turmoil that is going on were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? No, they were not at all ashamed, neither could they blush. Therefore they shall fall among them that fall. At the time that I visit them, they shall be cast down, saith the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways, and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? And walk therein, and ye shall find rest for yourselves. Now Jesus taught us that we are to follow him. God says that we must turn to him with our whole heart and soul. And what has happened since Jesus Christ was here upon this earth? Nations have not found peace between themselves. Even so-called Christian nations fight each other. And uh, we've had uh, crusades and, uh, and holy wars and uh, what an incredible name to give to something. Fancy calling something a holy war. There's been, never been a holy war yet. And of course uh, they talk of these things. And, uh, and so uh, we see what they say stand in the ways and see and ask for the old paths this is the Lord's answer let's get back to the original pattern that Jesus Christ taught to us he is and we're going to see this that he is the prince of peace he is the one who will bring peace and uh, in one sense it already has happened but not in the way in which people expect it to happen and the critics of Christianity because they don't understand what Jesus was talking about Say, what's all this peace on earth and goodwill towards men? It hasn't happened. The church has had 2,000 years to bring this peace 
upon earth and there's goodwill towards men and it's worse now than it was even when Jesus Christ started it all. Well, of course, they're looking at the outward show. They're looking for, this, uh, uh, for the nations of this world and all their uh, godlessness, all their uh, idolatry, all their hypocrisy and covetousness and, and greed, all their uh, uh, corruption in high places and low places and middle-sized places, all around the place, uh, that they're having uh, uh, these things and people are not uh, turning to the Lord. But God's answer is, turn back to him. Go back to the way it was in the beginning and the way that Jesus Christ taught us to live and to have the experience that he promised to us. Let's ask for the old paths and walk that way and we'll find rest unto our souls. We'll find peace within. That's what he's talking about. This is where it needs to start. And you can never have peace among the nations of this world until individuals living upon the, the, in the nations of this world have uh, found themselves peace with God. So let's turn back to the Lord and the most way, the best way we can help as individual people to bringing any peace upon this earth is not by voting for this political party or that political party, not by going down the street and parading with placards and banners. We can't bring peace to this earth by demanding it. We can't uh, bring peace by saying we'll get rid of this politician and we'll put another one in. America didn't solve their problems by getting rid of, uh, of Nixon and all the Watergate scandal. Neither will uh, Russia solve their problems by uh, uh, when uh, uh, Mr. Brezhnev finally gives in to what the uh, newspapers have been saying about him for years, that he's dead. He won't lie down, will he? But uh, it's not going to solve Russia's problems. It's not, going to, uh, it's not even going to solve our problems if we vote in another Prime Minister in Australia. Uh, big and all as he is. We seem to get big ones, but they don't, still don't uh, seem to solve our problems, do they? For uh, little Chinese and some of these people, uh, they must be terrified of Australians because we send one Prime Minister over there and uh, he's about six foot five tall and then they, they send another one over and he's six foot six. I must think all Australians are giants. But anyway, that's got nothing to do with what we're talking about. And, uh, and so uh, we read here, but the, the Lord says that we ought to turn back to his way, but they, uh, they said, we won't. Won't. We're stubborn, rebellious. We'll do it our way. We don't like doing it your way, God. We'll do it our own way. The Lord says, all right, you do it your way if you want to, but uh, it just won't work. And he said, I have set watchmen over you, saying, hearken to the sound of the trumpet, that's to give warning. And they said, we will not hearken. So the Lord has warned us down through the centuries. It's been there in the Bible all along. People blame God for the troubles in this earth. The Lord said, you'll have trouble. And God was right again. You know, right back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve disobeyed. They disregarded the word of the Lord. God said, don't eat of that tree. Otherwise, you'll die. They said, oh no, we'll do it our way. And they went off and they did it their way. And they died. God warned them. The, the sound of the trumpet was there. The warning was there. They did it. You read what happened to the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. The Lord said, If you walk in my ways and you hearken diligently unto my voice and you keep the commandments that I have given to you this day, he said, I'll set you on high above all the nations of this earth. He said, You'll be the head and not the tail. You'll uh, rejoice when you go out and you'll rejoice when you come in. He said, You'll uh, have victory over your enemies. You'll have victory over your sicknesses. You'll be prospered and you'll be blessed. And while they did what he asked them to do, they were. And they were a, a great and mighty nation in their time. But he said in the same chapter, the very next breath, he said, But if you disregard what I say and if you're disobedient unto my commandments and if you go and do your own thing as it were he said you will be cursed and all your enemies will overrun you and the famines will come and the pestilences will be there and you'll be not looking to me and sickness will overtake you and all these troubles and God was right again he proved himself to be faithful to his word and uh, both of these things. While they looked to him, they were prospered. When they looked away from him and followed the uh, religions of the idols round about, well, they, uh, they were destroyed. And so uh, the Lord is right. He gives his warning. And, uh, of course, Jesus Christ gave us the warnings of what would happen in the gospel age. And if we would hearken diligently unto his voice and we would keep his commandments and we would walk in his ways, 
the Lord would look after us and bless us. But if we went our own way, we'll be in difficulties. And of course, the whole world is in difficulty at this day. And the real reason is because people have been willful and disobedient under the commandments of the Lord. Now, uh, we want to go on and have a look at uh, a few other things. Um, let's go to the book of Isaiah now, chapter 33. <coughs> There is so much that is said in the Bible about, about wars and, uh, and doom and uh, the day of judgment and all that sort of thing. Um, I remember years ago when I was very young in the Lord and uh, I was sitting in a meeting and uh, uh, there was a brother giving the word and he was getting wound up on the end of the world and how Russia was going to come down and they were going to do this, that and the other thing as the prophecies tell us. And uh, he was going pretty well and there was this drunk bloke sitting in the meeting and all of a sudden he got up and he shouted out, he says, we've had enough of war, we want a bit of peace. And, uh, and the brother that was giving the word, he was awake up to him, he says, yeah, I agree, and I'd like a bit of peace while I'm giving the word. So uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Um, yeah, we got on to that, but it's a good story. Um, so I took him out, I took this fellow out to pray with him. I don't know if you ever tried to pray with somebody that's drunk, but it was quite an interesting experience. He had a bit of religion in him somewhere underneath all the booze and um, I took him out into a back room and, uh, and I tried to teach him how to seek the Lord and to praise the Lord and say hallelujah and uh, he sort of did it for a little while but then he, uh, then he uh, sort of shook me off and uh, whatever I was trying to tell him and, uh, so it, and he said the Lord's Prayer, he must have learnt that somewhere and he said amen and got up and he finished so anyway I said talked to him again and I said oh no that's not going to get you filled with the Holy Spirit and went through the whole bit and uh, I talked him around again let's get down and have some more prayer so we praised the Lord for a little bit longer and uh, anyway he wasn't really quite uh, with it as you can imagine and uh, this time he said the benediction which he'd learnt somewhere <laughs> and uh, very definitely said amen and I couldn't get him back on his knees after he said the benediction he didn't receive the Holy Spirit either but at least uh, I was able to, they were able to have a meeting without us two in there. Anyway, praise the Lord. Now, um, Isaiah 33 and verse 7, we're trying, what I was really getting up to is we want to talk about peace. And uh, here we see in verse 7, Behold, their valiant ones shall cry without, and the ambassadors of peace shall weep bitterly. And this is, uh, is what is happening on the face of this earth at the moment. The people, they send their ambassadors to these conferences, the United Nations and the like, and uh, there's no joy for them. There's no solution. And the ambassadors of peace are weeping bitterly and they're going to weep more bitterly before it's all over because the Lord has said that there is going to be a great final war upon the face of this earth. Now, let's go back to chapter 2 of Isaiah and uh, we want to look a bit beyond this uh, a great... Uh, war of Armageddon and everything that's spoken of in the scriptures which we've said quite a lot about in our various meetings and we want to look beyond this for a moment here and the chapter goes on to talk about it again as we read on but for the moment Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 1 the word of Isaiah the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem now uh, as we've been seeing about all the trouble that's coming around Jerusalem and this was a message concerning Jerusalem and the surrounding area. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow unto it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Now it's not always going to be this way. There is coming a time when Jerusalem is going to have its, uh, is going to live up to its name. It means city of peace. Well what a, uh, uh, you might say what a misnomer that the fact that this city is called the city of peace and yet uh, it's been one of the most troublesome uh, spots on the face of this earth as far as uh, a rampaging war is concerned. The nations have run back and forth across the, the city of Jerusalem for century upon century. But the time is coming when this will truly be the city of peace and it will be because 
the Prince of Peace will preside there. And he shall judge among the nations and shall reject many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks and nation shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore. So praise the Lord the time is coming when uh, war will be over. You know this verse has been misquoted recently when uh, the treaty was signed between Israel and uh, Egypt and uh, the United States of America was uh, party to it, President Carter was there and of course uh, uh, there were three different religions being represented there, the, uh, the, the Jews, the Mohammedans and uh, nominal Christianity and of course uh, they, uh, they all felt that they believed this verse and they all felt that it was, uh, it was happening, that it was coming to pass that this, uh, uh, that this verse was uh, being fulfilled, that the, uh, the spears were being bro- beaten into pruning hooks and they weren't going to, uh, uh, to learn war anymore. Well, uh, uh, the, the hostilities may have uh, subsided between Egypt and, uh, and Israel, but it's not the fulfilment of this verse. It's talking about the whole of the, uh, the nations of this world. And uh, even while they were signing the treaty, the Arabs were uh, uh, girding up their loins as it were uh, to see what they could do and they weren't only just going to take on Israel they were going to take on Egypt as well or so their threats were and of course the Bible still has these potent prophecies that are going to come to pass and there will be more war before it's all over the Bible's quite specific about this but the time will come uh, when nations won't uh, train their young people for war anymore they won't be using all of their, uh, their resources to pour it into the, uh, uh, into the uh, war machine or whatever they like to call it. But that time will be when Jesus Christ returns to this earth. And we read in verse 5, O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. And we're going to read that because this is going to come to pass in God's appointed time, and we can't be sure of the exact moment, but we can see from the scriptures that the time is near at hand. And because it's going to happen, this is what the Lord was saying to the people of Jerusalem there. And uh, this is something which uh, we ought also to take notice of. Therefore thou hast forsaken thy people, the house of Jacob, because they replenished from the, from the east, and are soothsayers like the Philistines, and they please themselves and the children of strangers. The land also is full of silver and gold, Neither is there any end of their treasures. Their land is also full of horses. Neither is there any end of their chariots. Just their material possessions, their perverted religious worship and all this sort of thing. The land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands which their own fingers have made. And of course uh, this still happens in the earth. The people have turned from worshipping the one and only true God, of worshipping him in the spirit and have gone to make uh, graven images and uh, all this sort of thing, even so-called Christian churches. Many of them have all sorts of uh, ornaments and, uh, and holy uh, uh, buildings and, uh, uh, and statues and this sort of thing which are only idols. We read that the mean man or the, uh, the humble man boweth down and the great man humbleth himself, therefore forgive them not. The people, even the great and the small, bowing down before these false religions. Enter into the rock and hide thee in the dust for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty. And the lofty looks of man shall be humbled and the haughtiness of man shall be bowed down and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. It's no good looking to false religion. There's only one who can bring the answer and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. For the day of the Lord of hosts shall be upon every one that is proud and lofty and every one that is lifted up and he shall be brought low. And upon all the cedars of Lebanon that are high and lifted up and upon all the oaks of Bashan and upon all the high mountains and upon all the hills that are lifted up and upon every high tower and every fenced wall and upon all the ships of Tarshish and upon all the pleasant pictures or the pictures of desire, all the pornography and so forth. And uh, the loftiness of man shall be bowed down and the haughtiness of men shall be made low and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. And the idols he shall utterly abolish. The Lord's going to do away with war but he's also going to do away with all other things that corrupt and offend him. And we read here, And they, that is the unsaved of this earth, at that day, they shall go into the holes of the rocks and into the caves of the earth for the fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. 
In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold which he hath made, each one for himself to worship to the moles and to the bats, to go into the clefts of the rocks and into the tops of the ragged rocks for fear of the Lord and for the glory of his majesty when he ariseth to shake terribly the earth. Now this time of peace is after this time of law. And so uh, the time when the, uh, the, uh, uh, the swords are, bre- are being uh, beat into ploughshares and the spears into pruning hooks, when there'll be no more anymore, is after this great final conflict, which uh, from all indications is just around the corner. And uh, we read how that the Lord says that he's going to do away with all these things that corrupt and uh, mislead. Cease ye from man whose breath is in his nostrils, for wherein is he to be accounted of? So don't let us look to mankind for the solution. The Lord is the only one who has the answer. Now while we're here in Isaiah, we're going to go to chapter 9 now, and uh, verse 6. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. (coughs) For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Yes, praise the Lord. The Lord is very enthusiastic. The Lord is very, very zealous that his plan will be fulfilled. And just as Jesus came on the scene and he said, the, the zeal of my father's house has eaten me up. And he went in and he cleansed the temple and he drove out those who had perverted the ways of the Lord. So it will be that when he returns the second time, not that this time as a babe in the manger, but this time to fulfill the rest of the attributes that are given to him here, when he returns uh, to establish his kingdom, when he comes uh, to take over the government, when he comes as King of kings and Lord of lords to rule and reign from Jerusalem and the whole of the nations of the earth will go up to consult him and to, uh, to know uh, what the answers are. And so at that time he will establish his kingdom. He will drive out all that is offensive to his ways and he will rule uh, as Prince of Peace King of kings and Lord of lords. And then alone will the nations of this world know peace. Now, in the meantime, because that hasn't yet happened, well, uh, what should we say? Should we just say, oh, well, we just sit back and wait until it happens? No, the Lord says that there is an important message of peace that is to be taken to the individual. And this is where we need to be partakers of it. We need peace with God. You know, uh, before we come to the Lord... The reason for our turmoil in our life is because we're at war. We're at war with our maker. We're at war with the one who, would, who loves us and would be reconciled to us. And the Bible tells us in our unconverted state that we were God's enemies and we, we are now reconciled through the death of his son. And so God has this wonderful plan to bring us back to peace with him. And we read about this, uh, much is said in the, both prophecies in the Old Testament and promises in the New. And we'll go to uh, John's Gospel in chapter 14 now. <coughs> and we could look at many verses that tell us of this peace. But John 14, and we read in verse 26. John 14 and verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Yes, the peace that Jesus Christ has to offer to us as individual disciples of his is not the peace of the world, not the, the treaties and the arrangements and agreements and, uh, and uh, hollow promises that uh, peace in this world brings. 
You know, people can have a great argument and they can be forced by circumstance to uh, come together and say, oh, well, let's shake hands and, uh, and forget the whole thing and they can go away seething underneath and, uh, and really uh, uh, annoyed at the fact uh, that it was only a ceasefire, that they didn't really win. Uh, they didn't grind the other person into the ground. I mean, what has happened in the nations of this world? Nations that have been defeated have uh, seethed underneath it. And, uh, I mean, what happened uh, in the two world wars that we've seen uh, uh, in this century? In the First World War, uh, uh, Germany was, uh, was defeated, uh, but uh, they were, were left to pay these uh, gigantic war debts and all this sort of thing, and the people resented it. And, uh, and they chose a, 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 a fanatic. They chose uh, Hitler to come up and to rule over them because it was their national pride and they uh, said we're going to shake off all these, uh, these war debts and all this sort of thing. And of course uh, what had uh, been the, the most shocking war that this world had ever seen up until that point of time was, uh, was only just a, uh, well it was just a lull. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't all over. The armistice that was signed was only really a ceasefire and uh, within a couple of decades it had all broken out again. It was all on again to see an, an even more devastating war and that particular war with the bringing in of the Japanese and the Americans and all this sort of thing uh, saw the dropping of atomic bombs in hostile warfare. And uh, so the Lord says to us, the peace that he offers is not just a ceasefire, it is a complete reconciliation and you know the Bible talks of these terms. It talks of an atonement. That means to become at one with the Lord himself. Not just uh, uh, to be able to shake hands and say, oh well, uh, you know, we're friends now. The Lord uh, becomes at one with us. The Lord says when we receive his spirits that he uh, that is partaker of the Lord's spirits he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, we're told. We're at one with the Lord. We are reconciled. We are brought back to him and we are at peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus said, through the coming of the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, we need this miraculous experience. We need the forgiveness of the Lord because we have wronged him. He hasn't wronged us. You know, this is where uh, the point that keeps a lot of people from God. They think that God has wronged them so terribly. They, uh, they say things like, Oh, I, uh, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask to be brought into this world. And if there's a God, why does he do this and why does he do that? God uh, is so righteous and holy. He is so pure and just that we can't understand him. And you certainly won't get anywhere with him if you use that sort of approach. The Lord uh, is full of love and mercy and forgiveness. He's full of faith and uh, he wants to help us and bless us and we need to come in a receptive way. And people who fight and rebel and kick and buck against the things of the Lord, they get nowhere until they humble themselves. We read back in the book of Isaiah and the Lord says uh, the humble man needs to be bowed down, not the haughty one who thinks he has all the answers, but the one who is prepared to come in repentance before the Lord and say, well, Lord, you know everything and all I want is to be a partaker of your blessing. And so we need to come in repentance and the Lord promises to us that he will give peace, not the peace of the world, but the peace which passes all understanding will keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We will receive the Holy Ghost the comforter and the fruit of God's Holy Spirit is love, joy and peace. And he goes on with other fruits that he promises to us. And so because of this, he says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Now this is something that the Lord says to us. He promises this peace. And many of us when we received the Holy Spirit and we knew that the Lord had forgiven us and we knew that we were born again, all the worry and frustration and turmoil and insecurity that we had in our unconverted state disappeared. But there are some who received the Holy Spirit who are still not fully aware of what the Lord has done for them. And so the Lord says to such people, and he says to each and every one of us here, that because he has sent his peace, because he has sent his blessing, because he has sent his Son into our life, we have to do something positive about it. We need 
to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to slip back into negativeness, into fear and frustration and defeat and anxiety. The Lord says, don't let your heart be troubled. Don't let it be afraid. The Lord has given us the victory. Let us believe it and let us rejoice in it. And we're going to look at a couple more verses about this as we, uh, uh, well, we'll finish eventually. Romans 5. Romans 5. (coughs) And we read here in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those of us who have become believers in the Lord, who have repented and been baptised and received the Holy Spirit and are walking on in the ways of the Lord by faith, the Bible says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Those of you who haven't yet turned to the Lord, his invitation is to you here today. Turn unto the Lord. Receive his peace in your life. The Lord doesn't want you fighting against him anymore. He wants to embrace you. He wants to take you unto himself. He wants you to be born again. He doesn't want to be enemies with you. He wants you to surrender. Oh, here's one time where you can't lose by surrendering. You don't need to worry about what you're going to have to give up. You know, uh, uh, sometimes when people come to the point of uh, surrendering, you know, in the natural sense and all this, uh, well, what, what am I going to lose? If I go out with the white flag, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my people? And what am I going to be allowed to do? Am I going to be in occupied territory? And are you going to take uh, taxes from me and, uh, and all this sort of thing? And I'm going to lose my freedom, so therefore I don't want to surrender. You know, the Lord wants us to surrender to him. And people come to him with the same attitude. What am I going to lose? What am I going to have to give up? I'm going to lose my freedom. What a joke. Who's got freedom in this world? Oh yes, we have degrees of, uh, of uh, captivity is about all we've got in this world. And because we see other people in this world who are so worse off than we are, people who are starving and people who are uh, under the oppressive governments and police states and all this sort of thing, and we're fortunate to be free from those things. We think that we've got freedom. But you know, the Lord says, and he said to the people in his day, he talked of freedom. And they said, what are you talking about, Jesus? We have never been in bondage to any man. And he said, you are the servants of sin. You are in bondage to sin. And he said, but if the Son of God sets you free, you'll be free indeed. If you continue in my words, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. So praise the Lord. The Lord wants to set us free. You know, all those things we hang on to, all we clutch on to our cigarettes, and our, uh, and our alcohol and our, uh, our right to go down to the pub with the boys and our right to, uh, to uh, go off and have a little bit of a, a flutter on the Gigi's. Oh, yes, it's, it's our right. It's our, our national uh, heritage. Oh, yes, we've all got to put two bob on the Melbourne Cup and all these sort of things. Oh, yes, we don't want any religion coming in and interfering with our freedom. Oh, how narrow and how small we become about these things. The Lord says to us, look, give me a chance. Give me the opportunity. Cast all your cares upon me. That's what he thinks about our freedoms. They're only problems. All these things that people can quote. If you uh, come and you say, oh, but look, uh, you know, I enjoy my little uh, glass of ale. And we can quote, Thousands, a quarter of a million people in this country are hopeless alcoholics because uh, they, uh, uh, somewhere along the line, decided they would exercise their rights uh, and their freedom to be able to imbibe uh, in this stuff. And a quarter of a million people in the small population that we have here, and that's uh, people who are in a real bad state and they estimate there are probably many thousands more in all sorts of trouble. And people want their freedom to have their cigarettes And it's been proven beyond any shadow of doubt of the countless thousands of people who have committed suicide and died agonising deaths from lung cancer, heart disease and other things. And oh, we still want to have our freedom. We still want to hang on to it. And people even sometimes receive the Holy Spirit and they want to go back or they ought to take notice of that verse that Brother Rex was quoting out last Sunday night. 
We ought to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. The Lord has set us free. Let us remain free. You know, the Lord can't use his servants. What good is a, is a, a soldier in the army if he's locked up in the enemy prison? And we come and we come the Lord's soldiers and we stand up here and we sing onward Christian soldiers marching as to war. And here we are, some of us, still bound up and we've got to stick our head in the cupboard and smoke our cigarettes or have a little, uh, uh, yeah, cupboard smokers. And, uh, yes. And we've got to have these other little things. Oh, nobody's going to take it away from me. And people have said, oh, but I don't want to give it up. Well, how incredibly selfish can we be? The Lord wants us to to use us. He wants us to be uh, his uninhibited disciples. He wants us to continue in his word so that we might uh, be his disciples indeed. And what sort of a testimony are we? If we're uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, we're bodies of the temple of the Holy Ghost and we're defiling them, defiling them with this rotten nicotine smoke and rotten alcohol, and rotten language too sometimes. Oh yes, we hear about it. Yes, people receive the Holy Spirit. There are some circles where people are told about receiving the Holy Spirit and praise God He is gracious and He fills them with the Spirit. And yet they're never told that the Lord expects them to live up to their experience. They're never told that they ought to be a testimony. And you walk into some meetings and you just about choke. Look, you're not even allowed to smoke. On our, uh, on our buses in Adelaide now. <laughs> yes, blew a fuse. Anyway, praise the Lord. <laughs> Don't really need it. Yes. <laughs> That'll teach him. Good. It's gone, is it? It's all right. Can you hear me? All right. Not near as loud as it was a moment ago. Yeah. All right, just adjust the knob again. I was just wondering who put their finger across that. I don't know, was the Lord saying I'd gone long enough or the opposition? Anyway. Yes. We haven't got a smoker down there near that thing, have we? <laughs> Yes. Ah, well, praise the Lord. While we're here in uh, Romans, Romans chapter 8. (coughs) Somebody was telling me recently that uh, somebody said, Oh, if the Lord had wanted me to smoke, uh, if if he hadn't wanted me to smoke, he wouldn't have made the stuff in the first place. Oh, what an incredible thing. You know, we can come up with things like that. The Lord had meant us to smoke, he would have put a chimney in the top of our head. (laughs) That's even smarter than the other comment, I think. Yes. Oh, well, if we want to use what the Lord made us, oh, well, we can go out and fill our veins up with heroin. The Lord made that too. Take a good, um, you know, a good strong drink of arsenic, cyanide or something or other. The Lord made that. You know, go and walk through... uh, Go and uh, you know get involved in a in a, uh, a uranium plant or something rather. Just walk in there and pick up and play with the take it home for your kids. You know, it's, uh, the Lord made it, so uh, why not? Same thing. What does it matter whether you whether you die in five minutes or linger on for a few years and uh, you know let your poor wife or husband or children or whatever see your your suffering and coughing your last few uh, uh, years away? And uh, I tell you what. People talk about these things. You hear about it. But I tell you what, if you've ever seen somebody dying from lung cancer, and uh, I tell you what, it's no joke. And if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we owe it to the Lord, we owe it to ourselves, we owe it to our family, we owe it to the assembly to take the victory over these things and make an effort about it. Just the same as we're reading a scripture there before where the Lord says, don't let your heart be troubled, don't let it be afraid. Just the same as some people have to take a victory over their nerves and their anxiety and their praise the Lord, they are taking these victories too. Some of us have to take a victory. 
have our inferiority complexes that the Lord says to other people. Now you are going to have to make a stand and you're going to, your little thing that I'm going to ask you to do is to apply the scriptures and to take hold of the promises and take a, a, a victory over that filthy habit that you've got. So uh, anyway, don't defile the temple of God anymore. Anyway, you can't say you're not told around here. Um, Romans chapter 8 and verse 5. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. Yes, you know, people who are wanting to indulge themselves in the lusts of the flesh, even spirit-filled people, get back into walking in the flesh. You know, sometimes we get confused. How is it that here's somebody that's filled with the Holy Spirit and they've spoken in tongues and yet they say these things that are so wrong and they do these things that are so wrong. It sounds like a contradiction. Well, it is in a way, but the Lord warns that this, will, this is what will happen if our heart is not right towards the Lord. You know, repentance is an ongoing thing. It's a state of heart which needs to continue. We need to, no matter how long we've been in the Lord, whether it be a matter of hours, days, years or decades, we need to continue on in a, a state of humility and repentance and submission and surrender to the Lord. You know, if you really surrender to the Lord, well, uh, you find that these things go anyway. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just that people just want to have this and they want to have that. They want to have their cake and eat it too. They want to have the blessing of the Lord and they want to have the blessing of the world. They want to be able to come along to church on Sunday and that's the way they treat it. They want to be able to sit there and enjoy, they like the singing. Oh, maybe the wife and kids like to go. So, oh, I'll be the, I'll be a good husband. I'll be a, a good, uh, a good father, and I'll show them that I'm interested in what they're doing. I'll go along there and I'll join in too. But they want to be able to go to work on Monday, and be able to have a little fag with the boys, and uh, you know, swap a few yarns and all this sort of thing. What an incredible state of hypocrisy! What an incredible state of defeat! What an incredible defiance of the victory that Jesus Christ has given to us. That people should want to live that way. Now, uh, uh, I don't really believe that people should really want to live that way. They want to take the victory. They want to be on top. But they won't come right out and say it. And you know, we'd be very happy to pray with people and to look to the Lord with them and to encourage them and stand by them if they're having genuine difficulty. But when people come up and say, I don't care what you say or the Lord says or anyone else, I'm going to hang on to my liberty and I'm going to do my own thing. It's very hard to help people like that and it become a problem around the place. Anyway, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Let's get involved in the things of God's Spirit, rejoicing in the Lord. Reach for the Bible instead of reaching for the cigarettes. Reach for the Lord and pray in tongues instead of giving in and reaching to the people of this world who are only going to contaminate and drag us down. For to be carnally minded is death but to be spiritually minded is life and it's peace. Now Brother Terry was giving his testimony before and he was saying about the testimony that he saw and uh, he could see that people were happy. He could see that we were healthy, incredible, um, but, uh, or something, but uh, maybe we had some mysterious aura about us or something. I don't know whether he's ever shot at me. He said that some of us were glowing and had been out in the sun or something, you see. But, uh, you know, uh, why is it that people are happy in the Lord? Why is it that they're, uh, they're going off... Uh, he was telling me, or David Patterson was saying that uh, he and a couple of uh, Irish brothers in the assembly were up in uh, Calgary, Paul Kay and uh, Peter O'Connor, and uh, they were up there and uh, they were um, at this place which was rather an unusual sort of uh, circumstances and they sort of shone as lights on the hill and uh, uh, they were getting up in the morning all praising the Lord and apparently Paul and Peter had bad news together according to David. Um, they even outdo him. Incredible. Anyway, uh, praise the Lord that uh, apparently they're all up there rejoicing in the Lord and there's all these other fellows at the camp who were not sort of really professing to be walking the Christian way and uh, uh, they'd uh, sort of filled with another sort of spirit and they'd be coming out there in the morning and trying to face their fried eggs and all this sort of thing um, and uh, you know the contrast between the two 
is so uh, incredible, particularly first thing in the morning. And so uh, why is it that we uh, present these things? It's because the Lord promises to us that to be spiritually minded is life and is peace. Why do we criticise the way of this world? Why do we criticise the, the politics and the religions of this world? Why do we criticise the moral standards of this world? It is so we can draw the comparison and we can show to people what the Lord will do for us and in fact has done for us. And why do we encourage each other to press on in the ways of the Lord? Because the only peace that we know in this world and anyone can know in this world is peace with God. The only way that it can continue, that we can have peace in our hearts and peace in our minds is to walk in the Spirit and to think on the things of the Spirit because it's life and it's peace. There is eternal life for us there and there is peace and assurance and uh, stability within in the meantime. So then they that are in the flesh, or where are we, verse 7, because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. And that's something for us to remember, even though we're filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're thinking naturally, you cannot please God. The way that you receive God's blessing is reaching out positively by faith. If you're getting around feeling sorry for yourself and being negative and saying it's all right for others, but I can't do it, you're telling God that God doesn't know what he's talking about because God says you can do it. The Bible says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We need to go around saying what God says. We need to believe what God says. We need to do what God says. We need to rejoice in what God promises to us. And that is being spiritually minded. While we're doing it in the natural way, we get nothing. But when we do it God's way, we get everything. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So praise the Lord. If you're not filled with the Holy Ghost, you can be today, because the Lord has promised to you. Now uh, we ought to finish somewhere. Well now I'll do.